I'm Joe Collins, and this is Dear DM, a Dungeons & Dragons advice podcast where each episode I sit down with your favorite Dungeon Masters in order to discuss, debate, and hopefully answer your D&D related questions. Thank you so much for joining me. Uh, before we begin, I just want to first thank, say thank you to all those we saw at WonderCon. It was so amazing meeting so many lovely people, and uh, we're already looking forward to the next Nerdsmith meetup. Um, also, uh, as you might have heard, this month is the uh, second annual Nerdsmith Subdrive. It's uh, that time of the year where we humbly ask for your support, and you get the opportunity to get some cool perks in doing so. Um, subscriptions come at different levels with different perks, so there's a level to fit everyone's needs. Uh, if you subscribe as a sidekick at just 10 bucks a month, you get access to special Discord channels, you get an exclusive pin, uh, you get 50% off all nerd alerts, which are neat messages you can send out uh, to with any of the show, shows on the network where we will read your message to whoever you want it sent to. Um, and most importantly, uh, you get special bonus content from each and every show on the network. Our bonus content this year is a PDF of a one-shot adventure that I've written called Escape from the Vault. It's a short, fun prison escape one-shot that I hope you all enjoy. And I'll also be doing a short recording of me giving an overview of the one-shot and my process in making it. Um, If you subscribe as a champion at $20 a month, you get everything from the sidekick level. Plus, you get one free nerd alert. Uh, a special metal D6, and a PDF download of the official Nerdsmith cookbook. Um, finally, if you subscribe as a superstar for 35 a month, you get everything previously mentioned, plus you get a fancy Nerdsmith mug and a physical copy of the Nerdsmith cookbook. So no matter what level you're able to commit to, please consider showing your support for this lovely group of nerds. Um, if you can't afford to subscribe yourself, which I 100% understand, you can also help by sharing the drive on social media and getting our message out there. Um, and thank you all so much in advance for your support. It means more than we can ever say. It's what keeps the networks going and keeps the lights on and makes sure that we can keep giving you guys the nerdy content we want to create. Um... And before we jump into today's episode, I want to, as always, please remind you guys to submit your questions to us, either on Twitter at DearDMPodcast or to our email, DearDM.Submit at gmail.com, so that you can have your questions answered by some of your favorite DMs. Um, the more questions we get, the more content we can produce for you lovely people, and the happier I'll be. Um, for today, I am joined by none other than Silani Bailey, the Dungeon Master for Plot Hunters here on Nerdsmith. Thank you so much for joining me, Silani. Thank you for having me. It's so awesome to have you here. I've been meaning to get you on for forever, but it was good to see you at the uh, Nerdsmith meetup down at WonderCon and get to chat there and get you on the show. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was nice seeing everybody in one room. It was surreal not having a screen in front of all those people. <laughs> but yeah. So um, first question, always start off the show with uh, asking... How did you get into D&D and tabletop in general? How did you find the hobby? Uh, well, I originally started uh, about 10 or so years ago when I used to work at a bookstore and we used to have weekly games at the bookstore. So I kind of started getting into it a little bit there, but I didn't really like the group that I was with and I ended up drifting away from them and 
kind of gave up the hobby for about 10 years because I just didn't really felt feel like it was the right thing for me. At least with that group, I wasn't really aware that there were like other ways to play besides <laughs> the way that they were doing it. Um, but I was always curious about it because I've heard so much about D&D. And so we would get the books in all the time and I would flip through them and, and read a little bit about the, the adventures. And it was fun. I just, for some reason, just never thought it was for me. And then um, Critical Role came out. And my, I think a friend turned me on to Critical Role because he was a fan of voice actors. And I had been meaning to check it out for a while. And I ended up getting really sick with the flu and was mm. bedridden for about a week. And had nothing but my phone, so I ended up binging about 40 episodes. <laughs> um, but that's really what got me into it, just the, the whole storytelling aspect of it. Because um, when back when I first tried it, it was very combat heavy, and it was very slow moving because combat moves very slowly. And it wasn't really interesting to me. And once I got into the storytelling aspect of it, that's what really drew me in. The idea of collaborative storytelling with a group of like-minded people and um, the fun stuff that you can do with that. So that's what made me want to play. And then the more I watched it, the more I ended up wanting to DM mm. and eventually dove in and created Plot Hunters from that. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I, I, it's interesting. That's a, a very common thread I'm finding of people who like dabbled with the hobby a long time ago and then left, let it be that it wasn't for them and then jumped back in recently. Um, and I think it speaks a lot to the how how much it has changed in terms of visibility, but also in terms of, like you mentioned, Critical Role made it very apparent that you can play a different kind of game than people thought of for a long time. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So how did you go about going from like, you know, starting DMing, everything like that? What what made you want to uh, make Plot Hunters as a project? Uh, I'm not entirely sure how it just became a project. It just kind of <laughs> happened naturally. I just, I knew I wanted to DM and I had been trying to get a group together um, back uh, when I lived in Arizona for a while. And we kind of got a small group together, but it just fell apart pretty much immediately. Um, and then I ended up moving to Seattle and the first six months here were pretty lonely just because it's hard to make friends and meet new people. And I'm kind of mm. introverted. So that's even harder. Mm. And I was just like, you know what? I just really want to play a game. And around that time I, had, I was watching um, dice camera action and I just kind of saw their setup and how they were basically just playing through webcam. And I'm like, that's super easy. I can just do that from home. I don't even have to like get dressed up or anything like that. I can just do it <laughs> in my pajamas and it'll be great. And uh, so I decided to just uh, put an open call out for a group of people. And I specifically wanted to play with other people of color just because um, pretty much all the other groups I'd ever played with, as few as they are, were pretty much entirely just white people. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to, a chance to actually play with other people who are somewhat like me. And um, I, I knew there had to be other people out there who were interested and maybe were looking for a, a group and weren't really... Um, haven't really had much luck finding one and so i figured i put out an open call and i ended up getting a few hits and i got my group together for plot hunters so we were all just complete strangers uh, internet strangers and i am just consistently amazed with the quality of group that i got together mm. because they are all so amazing and they have such great chemistry and it's just like we're all just random people off the internet that's amazing yeah that is that's something we've talked about before but it's like honestly that is part of what makes most most of the dnd i play now is online simply because you get to choose from such a diverse and wonderful player base 
as opposed to, you know, in real life play where it's like, all right, there's three guys down at the game store and I know two guys who kind of want to play and I don't really like any of them, but they're the only ones who play D&D. It it just makes it a lot better to be able to like actually reach out to people online that you know that are going to be more like-minded and are going to actually be fun to play with. Yeah, and it's just a much wider pool to choose from. I mean, you can play with anybody anywhere in the world. It's amazing. And uh, you're not limited by just your who's around you. As much fun as it would be to play in person all the time. And mm-hmm. also, like, I found the benefit of just being able to play from home and not have to go yeah. to some place and not have to leave your house. Everybody can just be comfortable and you don't have to, you don't have to make a, a big thing about it. Um, mm. But yeah, it's just, I don't find that there's a lot of difference between playing in person as much as playing online because as long as I can see the people I'm playing with, I, I can see their expressions, I can see their emotions. It's just as good as seeing them in, in at my table. Oh yeah. Um, although I will say that it's uh, uh, we because while we were down there for WonderCon with with the meetup and everything, it was kind of special to finally we played some D and D in in the past we we're staying at, and to finally play in person with these people we've been playing with online for a year was a very cool experience. I imagine. Uh, we have yet to get the plot hunters together, so I'm hoping sometime. Maybe next year. That'd be that'd that'd be be fantastic. That would be so much fun. Yeah. But yeah, so are we ready to go ahead and jump into some questions uh, sent in by some lovely listeners at home? Sure. Alrighty. Um, So our first question is, um, I'm a new dungeon master, and I'm wondering if you could go back and talk to yourself when you were a new DM, what advice would you give yourself first? And that was asked by Stephanie. I am still a new DM. I I still consider myself to be a new DM because I've only been DMing for about eight months now. Um, But I would say that the only advice I give myself is basically, it's not just DMing, but going back to when I first started playing D&D and got turned off of it is give it another shot. Mm. I kind of wish I had had given another shot then and gotten more heavily into it uh, long before. Um, critical role because I basically went through like 10 years of not playing and I could have learned so much and I could have had so many interesting experiences if I just got given another shot don't let uh, an uncomfortable group ruin the entire game for you oh yeah and it is curious to think like you know because I I went through a period too where I kind of stopped playing for a long while just because it was hard to get a group together and you know college and music and all that stuff kind of eats time but I it is it is weird to think like if we had got tried D&D again at another period would it have been the right time would we have found the groups that we had found now if we started before like this kind of golden age and it's very interesting to think about what that extra playtime would would mean in terms of like development as a player and a DM yeah it definitely was more before the whole big streaming thing um and we definitely didn't have as many online resources so i imagine mm. i would have been just playing with my my usual group of friends <laughs> uh, at home hopefully maybe actually getting the game and keeping the game together as opposed to letting it fall apart that would be mm. that would have been cool oh yeah well and there, there's also the fact that like a huge part of the golden age currently is due to fifth edition being so accessible so yes definitely yeah, I started trying to play 3.5, and that was so difficult. <laughs> um, so yeah, the the fifth edition is has made it so much easier to jump in a DM. 
Oh yeah, I I still like because I, I I did play a bit of three point five and I started out like with three point five and a little bit of Pathfinder. I still don't understand half of it off the top of my head. <laughs> it's it's a lot. Um, but yeah, if I you think really if really love math, you can you can go that route. <laughs> yep, and I do not. <laughs> Same. Um, but I think if if I had to give myself advice from when I started DMing, it'd probably be to give myself a break. Um, mm-hmm. and not worry about knowing every single rule. Because um, I'm I'm a bit easier on myself now, but when I started out, I was like, okay, if I don't know every single rule in the book, then I'm going to forget something and that will be the end of the world. And kind of learning since then that being able to say, eh, no, we'll rule it this, t- this way this time is is much preferable. Yeah, definitely. Um, that's one thing that... Uh, I think a lot of people are nervous about starting DMing because they think that they, they have to know every rule and they have to be perfect. And um, I think that's one of the fun things about DMing live on stream is that people get to see the mistakes that I make and that I just <laughs> kind of let them go. And just um, it makes it seem like DMing is a lot more accessible than it actually than they think that it is. Uh, I make mistakes all the time on stream. Just this last episode, we learned how to use spell scrolls because none of us knew how spell <laughs> scrolls worked. So we just like, okay, well, we're just going to make this up right now and we'll figure it out later. Um, but yeah, just making mistakes is part of the fun. Yeah. Um, and well, it's like it's like what you were talking about earlier is now with online resources, it's so much easier to correct those mistakes in the moment. Like you can literally Google how do spell scrolls work in 5e. <laughs> As opposed to, you know, a couple of years ago where you probably would have had to, like, search through the book, find the section on magic items, find scrolls. like Pause it's, the game for 20 minutes. Yeah. It's it's <laughs> a lot easier to, like, f- make those, uh, find find those things on the fly. Um, what do you think if, out of the time, out of the eight months you've been uh, DMing, what do you think has been the greatest, like, self-taught lesson? What's the biggest, like, oh, this is how I should do this from here on moment you've had? Just be in the moment, honestly. That it's weird because when I'm DMing, I don't. By the time we finish our episodes, I literally don't remember what the hell just happened <laughs> because <laughs> when I'm DMing, I'm just in the moment and mm. I am just reacting to whatever they're doing and I'm trusting my my intuition and my instincts and just creating whatever pops into my head. And yeah, I have to actually go back and rewatch our episodes before our next ones <laughs> because I I literally do not remember what we did. <laughs> I feel that. I God. Yeah. That's that's one thing I'm looking forward to eventually, like streaming or recording a game, is that I can, you know, actually go back and figure what the hell did I say uh, in in the last session. But yeah, um, so I think that answers that question pretty thoroughly. We get to jump on to the next one. Sure. Next question is: um, My players recently made a deal with an archfey, um, and while my players are smart. Their characters are dumb as bricks and did not see an issue with owing a powerful archfey an unspecified favor. Out of character, the players know this will bite them in the ass eventually and think it's hilarious. So, what kind of unexpected favors could I have this entity call in to screw with the party down the road? I'm just getting critical roll flashbacks <laughs> so bad. Oh my yes. gosh, what's a good favor? Mm-hmm. And it was asked by uh, Mulan Rogue. <laughs> It's very good. Uh, oh my gosh. Oh, oh, oh. The first thing that pops into my head is this is so bad. I don't know why I'm thinking this. I'm, I'm such a terrible person. Um, bear me this child. Oh, God. Yeah, no. That. Yeah, that's a thing. Oh, gosh. I don't know why I thought about that. 
I mean, I think I swear that's happened in a game with me before. It's like, all right, I need. Although I'm fairly sure it was a fiend in that scenario. It was like, all right, I need an antichrist. We'll we'll make this work. But yeah, I just need you to carry this child <laughs> there. You don't have to raise it. Just bring it into the world for me. Oh god, I will that, collect that, it when it's born. That's kind of a. It reminds me almost of like uh, if you played Dragon Age, uh, the kind of. Uh, Oh, the God baby. Uh, yeah, the God baby <laughs> scenario, which is not ideal. No. Um, I kind of like the idea, though, that like, because the players are clearly, in, in this scenario, it sounds like the players are expecting things to go haywire, not the not the characters, but the players. Um, I would try to find a way of something that is, like, like, hold it over their head as much as possible and then have it be completely mundane just to fuck with them. Because I feel like that's what an Archfey would do. Oh, yeah, just to mess with them. Like, I need you to take this incredibly priceless, valuable thing to the ends of the world or to, like, this extremely dangerous location. And then when they do, you reveal it's just like, you know, like like a, a scroll of paper that says, gotcha. Um, <laughs> or the yeah. opposite. It could just be something completely mundane or seemingly completely mundane and eventually is revealed to be completely world-ending. <laughs> <laughs> Oh God, yeah, and well, because that—that's the best kind of thing. Because it sounds like in this scenario, the players would be freaking out because they know that's not just what they're doing, but the characters <laughs> not so much. Sure, it's just—it's just a stone. What are you talking about? <laughs> Has nothing to do with that prophecy you heard about. Yeah, no, Arch Arch Fair fun. I I need to, whatever campaign I run next, I'm going to incorporate them somehow because they are they are very fun in that they are certainly not benevolent but they're not straight up villainous no they just like to mess with people <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm trying to think of like one or two more examples like um because there's there's the god baby there's like something like completely meaningless i honestly think one of the ways i might do it oh i one that i think i actually had a dm pull me once was right as the players complete one of their their like quests like like a pretty high level quest like save like part of the kingdom kind of big moment the archfey comes in and says all right now you tell everyone that i did it and i saved everyone <laughs> that is cool yeah oh dear yeah it's just things that like aren't necessarily monetarily or 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 physically important but taking Taking the pride of the players is fun as well. Yes. Um. So I think we're going to go ahead and jump into our little game that we play here at the middle. Um, and uh, for those who might not have listened at home, uh, we're here at the middle we take a break and we roll up some random characters to uh, use as NPCs to populate our world. Uh, worlds. Um, essentially, I've got these... Uh, these tables of different characteristics of an NPC you can use. Uh, we'll have a race, profession, background, and quirk. And once we get a couple options, uh, those of you who are artistically inclined at home uh, can create uh, drawings or short stories or any kind of art that you are inspired by this and uh, send those in to us at DearDMPodcasts on Twitter or to our email DearDM.Submit at gmail.com. And I love seeing it every single time Bex and Travis, Mattingly, and everyone who, who submits art. It's, it's so wonderful. But... Um, we also get some lovely NPCs to make our worlds weirder with. Um, so, Silani, do you by any chance have a D20 ready? I do. Alrighty. 
Uh, so let's go ahead and roll for the race of our first option. All right, roll in. That's a 12. 12 is Aarakocra. Oh, nice. Yeah, got a bird person up in here. Um, let's go ahead and give that bird a job. Let's find a profession for the bird. <laughs> profession. <laughs> That's an 18. 18 is peasant. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's not really a job. It's not, it's not really, technically not really even a profession, but I guess they're a professional a peasant. peasant. <laughs> it's kind of the opposite. Of <laughs> okay, but we've got an Aarakocra peasant, but what is their background? What did they do before they were a peasant? Fifteen. Fifteen is spy. Interesting. <laughs> okay. So either they were a spy and ended up failing and are now a peasant, or maybe they're just undercover and nobody else knows it. I feel like if you fail as a spy, you'd be dead. True. So he probably succeeded as a spy, but failed at everything else. <laughs> um, and then what is this character's quirk? What makes him a bit more interesting? Twelve. Twelve is always obeys even the stupidest laws. That's why he failed. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, lordy. Okay, so that's uh, that's a good option. We've got the Aarakocra peasant spy who always follows even the stupidest laws. Let's go ahead and get a couple more options in there. Let's roll for race again. Race. Uh, Ooh, nat 20. Ooh, 20 is a tortle. Oh, I love tortles. They are adorable and wonderful. Um, but let's make it terrible with a series of random attributes. <laughs> um, next would be profession. Ten. Ten is druid. I can see that. Okay, I can definitely okay. see that. It's pretty yeah. on brand. Uh, next is background. Ten again. Ten would be noble. Okay. Okay. A, a total druid noble. Uh, and what is their quirk? Two. Two is refuses to stop and ask for directions at all, ever. <laughs> so he's constantly lost. Okay. <laughs> yes, which is wonderful for a druid. Yeah, they enjoy being lost. <laughs> Alrighty. So let's go ahead and make up one more option uh, with another race. 16. 16 is Kenku. All these wonderful animal creatures, yeah. animal people. We got two birds and a turtle. It's all you need. Um, and then what is the Kenku's profession? Another nat 20. <laughs> I need to roll with these dice okay. more often. Um, that would be daycare attendant. <laughs> <laughs> it just repeats what the toddlers say right back to it. I'm just imagining a small bird person just talking to you in toddlers' voices. Oh, my it's, God. This is very good. Um and then what is their background? Seven. Seven is guild merchant. I have to admit, I was rooting for eight, which was cultist. But guild merchant <laughs> is also very good. Oh my gosh. They found their, their calling pathway through. It's like a bad Hallmark movie where they <laughs> quit their day job to become a daycare attendant. And then we've got the quirk. Four. Four is... <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, we'll pick a fight about even the smallest things. <laughs> so you're the perfect person to be running a daycare. A small, angry Kenku runs the daycare. Oh, my God. Okay. So we have some very good options here. We have our Aarakocra peasant spy who follows even the stupidest laws. 
we have our turtle druid noble who uh, refuses to ever stop and ask for directions. And we've got our Kenku daycare attendant merchant who uh, is, will pick a fight even over the smallest things. <laughs> um, so I'll, I'll leave it up to you, Silani. Uh, who, do you, who do you like the most out of these three wonderful children? Oh my gosh, I was going to go for the Arakokra until we got the Kenku. <laughs> I have to go for the Kenku. <laughs> I love it. It's so good. Oh, So for all of you at home who are artistically inclined, if you're inspired, inspired by our daycare attendant Kenku with a short temper, or by any of the characters we created today, please send in your art to us either on Twitter or in an email, uh, Carrier Pigeon, whichever you prefer. Um, we love seeing those every week. Uh, and also, if you have an idea to fill out these tables with, to swap out different options for a race, profession, background, or quirk that any kind of sentient NPC might have, go ahead and send those as well, and yeah, we'll, uh, we'll see those filled out. Um, but yeah, so now we've got some uh, interesting characters behind us. Do you want to go ahead and jump back into the questions? Sure. Alrighty. Uh, back into the questions. Uh, our next one is fairly simple, but I like the potential. Uh, it is, what is the most memorable or favorite encounter you've ever run? And I was asked by Faye Kid. Oh my gosh. It's a, it's should... a, it's a tough question, but it's simple. I like all of our encounters. <laughs> <laughs> oh, geez. It's hard to really pick one. I mean, they're all really interesting. Um, yeah, I, well, I would it's... say that the funniest one is just one of the earlier ones where, um, spoiler alert, Mira got killed. Don't worry, she's fine. But it literally was <laughs> the third episode into our game. <laughs> oh my god. And, and we were in Barovia. And uh, it was just a series of bad decisions. Because basically, uh, they were in a town and the town got attacked by werewolves and direwolves. As well as uh, swarms of bats. And they were trying to protect um, uh, an NPC. And one of them... See, I'm trying to remember what the order of events was. Um, at some point, they left the NPC in an inn, and they basically split up. So two of them went one direction, two of the players went another direction, which is always great. And then um, two of them were fighting a couple werewolves, and then the other two who ran off uh, were fighting some dire wolves. And at some point, Mira went unconscious, <laughs> and... She was with Cruz, so Cruz was, like, carrying her unconscious body, and they were being attacked by direwolves. So at some point, he just dropped her body in the middle of the street <laughs> and went to fight one of the wolves, not thinking that the other wolf is going to go after the body. <laughs> oh, my God. And so, yeah, she died there. <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it was just a really dumb situation. Like, why would you just leave her unconscious body right there in front of this wolf? Oh, my God. Uh, it was great. But that she is... got resurrected by, um, uh, fortunately, an NPC had a, a scroll of, I think it was raised dead or something like that. And uh, um, that was the only reason why she got brought back. Otherwise, there would be like, no, it would just be make a new character. You got three episodes <laughs> in. Awesome. I mean, yeah. if you're going to lose a character, better to do it on, early on before you're too attached. Yeah, um. true. But it was just, it was so ridiculous. So oh yeah, God. get your get your early deaths out very quickly. Yeah. Your, your dumb decisions. Um, I yeah, no, honestly, that that is when as a player when I get to play, I am straight up early levels. I will do anything that comes to my character's mind. I will just throw myself at it. But I find myself as I get in the higher levels, it's like I've already invested like fifty hours into playing this character. 
I I don't want to necessarily throw them at every group of you know of of monsters that I see them uh, facing. Um, yeah. yeah, I think it's gotten to the point where they are getting more attached to people, so mm-hmm. or to their characters, so they're a little bit more cautious. Well, and the most dangerous thing for the players is not when they're attached to their characters, but when they're attached to the NPCs, because uh, <laughs> uh, that's what they don't have control over. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I think it's it like you said, it's a hard thing it's like choosing a favorite ice cream or a favorite song it's like it's it's situational all of them are good um i think if i had to choose one as like a favorite um it might have been when uh the uh, essentially i had the players doing a one shot because we were on, on an off session and it's actually a, similar to one shot i stole that a friend ran before um and the whole plot was they had to drink uh, a potion uh, that was given to them by their a mysterious benefactor that called them all to dinner. And when they drank out of their cups at dinner, they realized it was this potion uh, that had a... It was from a list of like 4,000 different random magical effects. Oh and my one, gosh. It, it, would, it would happen to... Some, something would happen whenever they drank the potion. And it was revealed to them that they must take a drink every hour at minimum. Or they will die, because they are now they are now cursed to have to drink it. Um, and for this, you know, insane villainous characters uh, entertainment, they had to run a dungeon while drinking these things. And it was just the process of seeing how different players reacted to this differently. There was definitely like one or two who like literally only took their drink once every hour like tried to minimize any effects and be very careful and then there were the players who were like all right i'm gonna take three drinks and see what happens uh, <laughs> and they like grow three extra arms and turn periwinkle and get a unicorn um it, it was just it was it was an interesting like a social experiment and seeing what kind of people want to make thing as things as batshit crazy as possible and which ones want to stay alive <laughs> I already know who's going to be doing the who's going to be taking the three drinks of my my players. <laughs> oh lordy, yeah, that's that's a, that's always fun. Is like if you ever get a chance to run a one shot for for players, is throw something that just lets them go off the wall like that. Um, but yeah, so I think we're ready for our uh, last question for the evening, um, and that is uh, one of my players currently a warlock is in the process of completing a quest that will go directly against the interest of their patron, who is an archfiend trying to establish presence on the material plane. His patron would logically take their power away, but that seems harsh from a game perspective. How do you think I should handle this? And it was asked by Evan R. I'm thinking that the... I think I'm thinking that something unpredictable will happen every time they use their powers, mm. like a negative effect that will just suddenly appear. You suddenly get hives every time you cast the spell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like a kind of almost become a wild magic warlock. Yeah. Um, yeah, or or just have some sort of drawback to casting. Uh, yeah, it would just be warning. Yeah. I'm getting really, really unhappy with you. Yeah, I think it depends on the level of betrayal that's going on, because it's not specified. I think if it's one thing that's like kind of acting against, it's not in the best interests of their patron, it's one thing, but if it were something that's actively going against their patron, mm-hmm. that'd be that'd be a more serious takeaway. Plus, um, it also depends on the kind of patron it is. Oh, yeah. Because an yeah. Archfey would have so much fun with that. <laughs> Archfey would be... Mu- Archfey would fuck with your player all the time. That'd be extremely fun. An Archfiend, 
Not so much. Archfiend might want be a bit more vengeful or conniving or or what have you. Um, what? Old ones. Why is my eyes bleeding every time I cast a spell? Yeah, I feel like old ones in particular, though. Like if first of all, I feel like old ones are the easiest ones to, easiest ones to write off as like they're not even really aware of you. Like they don't really care. They're ancient beings that co- are beyond your comprehension. Um, but the the fiend and fey and the like hexblade, pretty much all the other options, you have to think of. Okay, how how far can they stray from the patron's goals before it's like okay, you might need to start looking at another patron or another class potentially. Yeah. Um, one thing you can always do is offer to is uh, have another. That is one thing you can do is have another patron step in and say, "Hey, I see you're not getting along with your current sugar daddy. Let let's let's see how this goes. Would you would you like to perhaps get power from another source?" Um, <laughs> I'm just thinking of Clippy. (laughs) (laughs) I see you're trying to establish an unholy pact. May I assist you? (laughs) Jesus Christ. The greatest devil of them all. Oh, Uh, yes. Patron Clippy. Oh, God. This is the homebrew I need to make now. Patron of the Clippy. Oh, my gosh. But, yeah. um, Have you ever... I forget. Are any of the players in your game warlocks or... No, but I've been wanting to play a warlock, and I'm actually planning on playing one for um, uh, the one shot that we're recording for the um, the Nerdsmith uh, subdrive. Hey, nice, nice. Yeah, I've still got to see which days I'm playing and whatnot, and uh, or, or running potentially for the all the the mixer sub stuff. But yeah, I am I am going to be running some some interesting stuff during that little foray. Nice. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that answers uh, that question pretty thoroughly. So I think that'll do it for us here on Dear DM for the questions for today. Um, before we go, I just want to remind everyone to please send us your questions either to our Twitter account at Dear DM Podcast or in an email to DearDM.Submit at gmail.com. The more questions we get, the more content we can produce for all of you lovely people and the happier I'll be. Also, if you're enjoying the podcast so far, it would mean the world to us if you could please share it with your friends or give us a review on iTunes. Anything you can do to spread it out to a wider audience so we can get more people seeing it and uh, and submitting for it. Um, as always, I also want to thank my friend uh, Paul Parisa for the use of his song Whether or Not as our intro and outro music. Um, and finally, uh, I want to thank Nerdsmith for having us be part of the network. And we're so happy to uh, have this be our first episode as part of the annual Nerdsmith Subdrive. Um, as detailed at the beginning, there's lots of ways you can support us and share and subscribe so you can uh, have uh, support the network and get more and more lovely nerdy content. And you can find all of that information as well at www.nerdsmith.org. Um, and finally, and most importantly, I want to thank you, Silani, so much for joining me. It's been wonderful having you here. Thank you so much. It was a lot of fun. Absolutely. And uh, as uh, one thing we always like to close out the show with is some sort of game tale from our guests. So something at your table that like was funny or, or epic or something that like just one moment you'd like to share from, from one of your games. Um, I will say that there is the moment where... Um, I don't want to give away too much of what happens, but it's mostly what I love is my players' reactions, mm-hmm. and they have the best reaction faces ever. And I, I will gift them, and I will t- screenshot them, and use them constantly because they're great. Um, and the best reaction faces <laughs> I've seen was um, there was a situation where they were uh, in a a warehouse fighting a bunch of um, uh, I think they were fighting Zentarum, 
uh, in this warehouse. Mm. And uh, they have grown very fond of this NPC, Nemu, who is a very sweet, uh, very cute and mysterious NPC. And they had broken into this warehouse that was basically the stronghold of this place, and she shows up there. And like they were, they had no idea what she was doing there, but their reaction to her just showing up out of nowhere were just like, "What is going on?" And it was just the best series of reaction faces. I totally like took a took a screenshot of that. <laughs> that is that is honestly what we go for as DMs is screenshot worthy moments. Like that is that is one of the best feelings. I have to learn how to make gifts. I don't know how to make gifts very well. <laughs> Someday we will we will learn how. But yeah, thank you so much again for joining me, Zilani. It's been awesome having you here. Thank you very much. Alrighty, so that's gonna do it for us here on Dear DM. And as always, I don't actually have a catchphrase to close out the show. So for now, goodbye. Welcome to WAND Radio. My name is Emmett. Whether it's your first year on campus or your fifth, I'll be your guide through this magical mystery thing called College Life. Emmett, what are you doing in here? Uh, nothing. Okay, because this equipment is very expensive, and the university wouldn't like it if it gets broken. Remember, you, Rupert, and I are on in an hour. WAND Radio. For your magical listening enjoyment on nerdsmith.org or wherever you download your podcasts.